the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Monday, October the 19th, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Today on October 19, 1781, British troops, they were under the leadership of General Cornwallis. They surrendered at Yorktown, Virginia. That was an important victory for the American revolutionary uh, soldiers because it was essentially the end of the Revolutionary War. In 1765, the Stamp Act Congress meeting in New York adopted a Declaration of Rights and Liberties. They sent him to the British Parliament and the King. Their response, nothing. They ignored them. They did that repeatedly. That's part of what happened to bring the colonists up to the point where they were willing to declare war against the most powerful nation, the most powerful military in the world. They kept sending their grievances to the king and to the parliament, and they not only wouldn't respond, they just ignored them. There was no response. Not a good thing to do. Today, in 1970, the first donut. Have you ever wondered where donuts came from? I'm about to tell you. Today, in 1917, the first donut was fried by the Salvation Army volunteer women for American troops in France during World War I. So when you see the bell ringers later on as we get closer to Christmas out, the Salvation Army ringing those bells, know that they can also make donuts. In fact, they invented them. Today, in 1944, the U.S. Navy began accepting black women into the WAVES program. The WAVES is an acronym for Women Accepted for Volunteer Emergency Service. Today, in 1977, the supersonic Concorde made its first landing in New York City. Today, in 1994, 22 people were killed as a terrorist bomb shattered a bus in the heart of Tel Aviv's shopping district. Many tourists were there at the time. Today, in 2003, Pope John Paul II beatified Mother Teresa during a ceremony at St. Peter's Square. He said she helped the poorest of the poor. Well, in fact, she did. I spent time in India, not working directly with her, but with the Dr. Mark Buntain, who built and ran a hospital there. It continues. He has passed away. He's with the Lord, but the hospital continues. And there is much poverty in India, I can tell you. Ten years ago today, the Pentagon directed the military to accept openly gay recruits for the first time in the nation's history. That was an act by the Obama-Biden administration. That's a few things that are happening in our world today. Let me share a scripture with you that I think relates to some things that I want to talk to you about today. John wrote in chapter 1, verse 1 of his gospel, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. 
he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. Without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. I think we know what that means, and I'm not going to take a lot of time explaining. It means that Jesus Christ is the light. He shined in the darkness, and even the religious crew that really assisted in his execution on the cross, Caiaphas and those people, they really didn't understand. They did not comprehend what was happening. I think we live in a time today when many do not understand what's happening. Certainly non-Christians have no clue, because what's happening today is not a political war, it's a spiritual war. It's a spiritual war to tear down the foundations of this country, a country that was founded upon prayers, yes, a revolutionary war, but upon prayers, upon seeking God for direction. In the, in the war, the revolutionary war, we should have never won that war. Nobody in the world back in those days believed that the colonists could beat the British in a war. Nobody believed that. In fact, there were people here in America who campaigned against the revolutionary forces and the, the army, the, the, the men in the, that were serving. They said, don't do this. They pledged their loyalty to the king because many of them said, we have no chance. That's a foolish, foolish thing to do. It's a fool's errand. There was a lot of dissent in America leading up to the Revolutionary War, vocal dissent. People disagreed. There was a lot of wrangling back and forth. But those those who were drawn to the Revolutionary War believed that it was God's time. They believed it was a spiritual matter because there had been a great revival and awakening in the 1700s. George Whitfield and other preachers had preached the truth of God's word. They had turned on the light. And the people's hearts had been renewed and restored to the Lord a nation that was founded by people who wanted freedom of religion. They wanted to be able to establish a nation. Bradford called it a city on a hill, a shining city on a hill. Reagan used to often use that phrase. That's how they saw America, not as an economic opportunity, although it certainly has become that and did become that, but they saw it as an opportunity to establish roots that were based in Judeo-Christianity. And this nation was built, regardless of what some slobbering teacher in a classroom somewhere is teaching your children, this nation this nation was built and prospered beyond anything anybody had ever seen on earth based on the foundation of Judeo-Christian values and principles. No, the men who created our nation, our documents, were not perfect for sure. But they sought out what was perfect, the Word of God. And they used the Word of God to build the greatest nation in the history of the world. And we continue to be that, but we are under attack today as never before. Perhaps in the days of Abraham Lincoln. But other than that, we have never seen days like the days that we see now. The light is shining, and many 
do not comprehend what it is that God is saying to the nation today. And many that do, that do believe that they see what God is saying are misled. Evangelicals, they say, for Biden. That's not a political statement on my part. I'm simply turning on the light. The evangelicals who are supporting Joe Biden and they're getting very aggressive. I'm going to talk about that probably one day this week. They are endorsing everything that Jesus Christ died to redeem us from on the cross. And they're doing so in the name of Jesus Christ. It's a sad day for some in the religious community. It's a sad day politically, and it's a sad day for the very founding principles of our nation. But that's where we are today. And it's interesting. It's alarming. But we must know that God is in control. God, nothing was made without him. And nothing shall be sustained without him, because God is in control. I talked to you a little bit at the end of last week, including on Friday, about this unbelievable story that's out there. Well, the left has been harping, trying to take down Trump for three and a half years, not successfully. We have lived through the Russian hoax, the dossier, all of this stuff. And the bottom line, it all comes down to, and I'm a simple man, it all comes down to the very things that they were accusing Trump of. And please, if if you're not a Trump supporter, don't rush to an opinion. I'm not defending Trump. I'm talking about the war that rages in America. It all came down to the very thing that Pelosi and Biden and Hillary Clinton and all the rest of the crew there were trying to do to Trump is what they were accusing Trump of trying to do to America, to sell out. And now it's all becoming pretty clear. Mike Huckabee was talking about it on the on television yesterday yesterday on Fox. He was talking to Judge Janine, and uh, he said he said I made it I made it clear that there are people right here in America. He said when I was talking to her, I made it clear there are people right here in America deliberately trying to manipulate the 2020 election. This was the context of big tech's effort to shut down free speech and censor the very real story of Joe Biden and his son. That's what I talked about on Friday on this program. Huckabee said, and I said, I'm much more worried about Silicon Valley than I am the Russians. Silicon Valley has done much more than Russia, than than the Russians have. He said, I said, the Russians might have put their thumb on the scale in the elections, but Silicon Valley takes the fat woman and sets her right in the middle of the scale and tells her not to get up. Then he says, as only Mike Huckabee can do, he said, that, now that's not intended as a jab to any woman or man. Lord, help me, he said, a former pastor. He said, Lord, help me, who'd like to lose some pounds myself. He said, it's just to make the point of what the anti-Trump forces are doing. He said he also told Judge Janine, I also said that if it weren't for the former acting director of national intelligence, Rick Grinnell, and current DNI, John Radcliffe, that's the Department of National Intelligence, he said we wouldn't be finding out much, and we wouldn't. He's absolutely right. Thanks largely to them, Huckabee says, we're learning that it's not just big tech trying to silence the Hunter Biden story by shutting the New York Post off social media. And do you know their account was still blocked as of late last night? I didn't check it this morning. They're not relenting. 
They do not want this story about Biden to get out. And I don't, I mean, I don't blame them. If I was Biden or his allies, I wouldn't want it out either. It's awful. It's everything that they've been accusing Trump of. It's in writing. The correspondence back and forth on this computer. And we talk about turning on the light. A computer guy. Just a guy who repairs computers at a little storefront shop in Delaware. He had this laptop. Hunter Biden had dropped it off months ago. Long time ago. He wanted it repaired. The repairman repaired it for him, had it ready, had a bill all made out, probably scotch taped to the top of the laptop, waiting for him to pick it up. He never did pick it up. So finally this man, who says now he's fearful for his life, now that he's, people know who he is, this man finally got to wondering about what's going on here. So he looked into it, and then he saw on the hard drive, all of these emails back and forth, the same thing he'd been hearing in the news, except it was the very people that the news had talked about, but it was telling a very different story. And there it was, the correspondence back and forth between Hunter Biden about his dad. There's even a list. I wrote an article today. We put the list right at the top of the story. Biden is lashing out at CBS over the weekend for even asking him about it. Well, this lone computer guy in Delaware in his little shop along the street there has turned on the lights, not only for the nation, but for the world to see what's really going on with all this. And in there, among there's tens of thousands of email. And one of them, Hunter, is telling Burisma to set aside so much money and he has, there's a list, 20 million for H, that's Hunter, 20 million for RW, I don't know who that is, 20 million for JG, 20 million for TB, 10 million for Jim. <laughs> and guess who's at the bottom of the list there? 10 million held by, Bunter, by Hunter for the big guy. <laughs> the big guy. Now, how creative do you have to be to know who the big guy might be, the big guy that they're buying influence to, Hunter's father? And it goes on and on and on. After two days, after two full days without the press even asking Joe Biden about this, it's an explosive story, a story of corruption within the Biden family. It isn't just Joe. It's numerous m members of the family. Finally, a CBS reporter finally said, um, uh, Mr. Vice President, he said, he said, um, what about this story by the New York Post? And Joe Biden just flew into him. He said, he said, I have no response. It's another smear campaign. He said, it's right up your alley. And more. But the thousands of emails that have taken from Hunter's laptop continue to reveal just how deep the corruption runs in the Biden family. This isn't political. This eats at the very soul of this nation. We now know that Anna McCanju, she's currently a senior Facebook employee. She's responsible 
for content control at Facebook. Let that sink in for a moment. She's responsible for content control at Facebook. She also, before that, advised President, uh, Vice President Biden on Ukraine policy, then publicly defended him when his integrity came into question last year. Even the Washington Post said, hey, there's some pretty glaring unanswered questions here. The Washington Post is in the tank with Joe Biden and Barack Obama and all that crew. It's Jeff Bezos' newspaper. I mean, it's amazing. I'll tell you more about it in a moment, but speaking of corruption, unfortunately, did you know, it, or maybe it's incompetence, I don't know, but Judicial Watch put out a list over the weekend. It is through September. That's 19 days ago today. 353 U.S. counties have mailed out 1.8 million more ballots than there are registered voters. That was 19 days ago when they completed their survey. Much has happened since then. The Judicial Watch study found that 353 of the 3,141 counties in America located in 29 of the nation's 50 states have at least 1.8 million more registered voters, so-called, than voter age residents. They've mailed out 1.8 million ballots to whomever, either duplicates or whatever, people who don't exist. That's amazing. I'll tell you. They put out a list. I'm not going to take a lot of time to go through it, but I, I do want to mention it. Some of the, as they say, swing states, the most important states in the upcoming election, which is already 22 million people have already voted by mail. I don't, I mean, they've received 22 million ballots. Maybe that's only 11 million people have voted. They just sent in multiple, and I'm kidding, but I don't know. It's, it's sobering to see where we are based on where we've come from. But it is what it is, and that's where we are today, and we've got to be informed, but we must do so in the context of knowing that God is in control. I can't go through all these states, but I've noticed Arizona has a couple of counties that have sent out more ballots than there are people there. Uh, Santa Cruz County, 107%. Apache County, 106%. That means that everybody, everybody that's registered in those counties got a ballot and then there were seven percent more ballots sent to whomever i don't i mean they don't know who they went to they're just out there for mischief i guess i don't know but i'm looking at some of the important states florida georgia it's shocking to see what's going on michigan overall i mean there must be 30 counties mentioned in just michigan which is a very important state to either candidate to win 105 percent 105 they sent out 100% of the ballots to people registered, and then there's 5% of that number more that's just out there. They don't even know who has them. You can go through Missouri, Montana, Nebraska, Nevada, New Jersey. I mean, it just goes on and on. Oregon, here in the Northwest, Sherman County, 107%. Crook County, 107%. D 
Deschutes County, 105%. Wallala County, 103%. Hood River County, 103%. Columbia County, 102%. Lynn County, 101%. Polk, 100%. Tillamook, 100%. Texas, Texas has, uh, I don't I mean, it's hard to grasp what's going on there. There are, like Loving County, I don't know where that is in relation to like Dallas or Houston, but anyway, Loving County in Texas sent out 187% of, of the ballots in ratio to the voters. In other words, if there's 100, and there aren't, there's many more, but if there's 100 registered voters in Loving County, Texas, they sent out 187 ballots. Who got the other 87? Presidio County, 149. Uh, McMullen County, 147. Washington State, Garfield County got 119% ballots. Ponderay County, 112. Jefferson County, 111. San Juan County, 108%. Wakayakum County, 108%. Stevens County, 103. Pacific County, 103. Clark County, 102. Island County, 102. Klickitat County, 102. Thurston County, 102. Lincoln County, 101. And Whatcom and Asotin got 100%. To look at the numbers, as I said, it's just, it can be depressing, to be honest with you. But again, that's where we are today. Corruption is everywhere. And it's becoming revealed. And the reason that it's becoming more revealed is because there are people who are willing to stand up and turn the lights on. Yes, some of them may be motivated by wanting to revenge, by wanting to get back at people who may have harmed them politically or whatever. I don't know what all the motives are, but I understand what's happening. There's a revelation that's taking place in our nation. And the revelation right now is in relationship to the integrity and the virtue that's lacking in this process of election. The great Roman historian Tacitus, much like Josephus, you've heard about Josephus probably, hopefully, your pastor has quoted him. I did a lot as a pastor. He was a historian, not necessarily a Christian, but he wrote much about the execution of Christ. Well, so did Tacitus. He was trusted, he was respected for his integrity, and there wasn't a lot of trust and respect in the Roman Empire in his time, or the time of Josephus. But his work is studied today in law, philosophy, history courses. Tacitus, like Josephus, wrote a great deal about Jesus Christ, his execution by Pontius Pilate, the activities of the early Christian church in Rome. We learn much extra-biblical information that just affirms what the Bible is already saying. He's known for his strong character, Tacitus, moral authority in the Roman culture. It had become corrupt to the core. It was Tacitus who once said, and I quote, in a state where corruption abounds, laws must be very numerous. (laughs) In other words, you can't write enough laws to make people moral. And that's the issue. It was Tacitus who said, In a state where corruption abounds, laws must be very numerous. You just can't write enough laws to make people moral. It has to happen in their heart. 
That's why John wrote, in the beginning was the Word. The light shined in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Nothing has changed as far as human nature is concerned. Our founding fathers echoed that in 1787 when they created the Constitution. John Adams, one of our founding fathers and our second president, he said when he and others had just completed the Constitution, he said, and I quote, he said much more than this, but I'm going to only quote part of it for the sake of time. He said, our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. What he meant by that is what Tacitus was saying back in his day in the Roman Empire. You can't write enough laws to make people moral. Only Jesus Christ can make people more moral. Only a transforming, the transforming power of a crucified, resurrected Jesus Christ, the Son of God, can make people moral. The Constitution is a guide to implementing that morality into a culture. Our founding fathers knew that. They said that. They wrote that. This isn't a measurement of their own spirituality. It's a measurement of their own understanding. There is fixed truth. There's absolute truth. And we live in a nation today who abandons the idea that there's any fixed truth. Kabbalah Harris has said, well, truth is what you make of it. Your truth is different than my truth. Oprah says that all the time. She has lots of influence. You can't write enough laws to fix people. That's why politics will never be the answer. But it is the process that we use in America. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, and I agree, he said, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. And I will tell you, this Biden clan, boy, I'll tell you, they're living in a present darkness. ABC's George Stephanopoulos he refused to even approach the subject last week on a so-called town hall. But Biden, Biden, as he was headed to his private jet Friday night, he and Kamala to get on and whisk off to the next place to talk about the environment. <laughs> Biden, Biden was asked by CBS, what about this? Boy, he just went off. He said, I knew you'd ask. I have no response. It's another smear campaign. It's right up your alley. Those are the questions you always ask, and on and on and on. Email on Hunter's laptop shows that's a lie, and he knew. He was involved. At least $10 million has been set aside for him. Hunter is holding it, according to their correspondence back and forth, for later, for the big guy. When the New York Post broke the story last week, it was all based not on Russia, not on some guy trying to make a name for himself, wandering around the people that they were using, trying to take down Trump over the last three and a half years. It was on Hunter's own laptop. Chinese counterparts, Ukraine counterparts, Russian counterparts, it's all over the world. When the New York Post broke the story, the Internet shut them down. Manju, as I mentioned a few moments ago, she advised Joe Biden on Ukrainian policy. Now she is in control of content at Facebook. Even simple people like me can put that together. I get that. I see what's going on there. It should surprise none of us that the social media decided to suppress 
the New York Post story, and it should surprise none of us, that the left is corrupt in a way that Tacitus would fully recognize. I think Martin Luther King Jr. would recognize it as well. Thanks for being with me. I'll see you tomorrow.